Welcome back to Never Settle, the podcast designed and encourage you to think different. We're here with Christy Sumer. She's the founder of Encircle. It's a Canadian-based clothing company, versatile, high quality, and responsibly made. That's what we want to own in on today. First, a warm welcome to Christy. Thank you for your time, for being here, and your, your founder insight to create such a brand. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. We mentioned earlier about greenwashing, and it's it's an interesting term, especially when you relate with eco and um, responsible, sustainable. They're all good words, but what is actually behind it? You know, you think of green and uh, recycle, and from a, a design perspective and color theory, but there's a lot of greenwashing in fashion and just to note encircled is not greenwashing we're going to get further into that later to start what drove you to start encircled mm-hmm. sure so i started encircled actually almost 10 years ago so um we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary in november Um, I started it originally as a travel fashion brand. So I spent most of my first half of my career in marketing, brand management, and then ultimately ended up in management consulting in the strategy side in retail. And basically in that role, I was required to travel to client sites pretty much every single week. I was on an airplane for usually at least a couple hours. Um, So I just became very savvy at packing, but also very frustrated with how much stuff I had to bring on each work trip. Whereas like my male colleagues would be able to travel with just, you know, an extra tie and maybe a different shirt and wear the same suit over and over again. There's so much pressure on women in business to always look like we're wearing something different and have a fresh new outfit, which isn't conducive to a carry on pack. So um, I got very curious about that idea of traveling light And then it was ultimately packing for a vacation where I had an incident where my suitcase broke really last minute to um, going on a flight to Costa Rica. And in that moment, I just had the most, what I thought was a very brilliant idea for a product. And essentially that became a product that we have today called the Chrysalis Cardi. It's like an eight in one cardigan, scarf, tunic, dress, top thing that transforms. So you know, the whole business really began with an idea. And then at the foundation of it, I knew I wanted to make a business because I could have taken that product idea and made it overseas. And I could have made it with like, you know, cheaper fabrics and stuff like that. But I really wanted to build my own personal values into the business, which at the time and still are really related to sustainability and ethics. So um, we decided to make it locally and as well as using very premium sustainable materials as well. What a journey. I actually, it's a very interesting topic. I didn't know that, that it started as a, you started in travel fashion, but that's mm-hmm. actually where the seed of Encircled was planted. A quick break from today's sponsor. Did you know 88% of all women-owned businesses generate less than 100K annually and only 4.2% of women hit $1 million in annual rev? Navigating the entrepreneurial space is something I'm always learning about. And one inspiration and resource I'm excited to introduce you to is this week's show sponsor, Cubicle to CEO. Cubicle to CEO is hosted by Ellen Yin. It's a weekly show bringing you case study interviews with leading entrepreneurs and CEOs. So you can skip the expensive, time-consuming learning curve and just see what works that's time-tested. 
Ellen's Transparent Quarterly Income Report episodes are insightful and honest. Yes, this girl opens up her books and shares exactly what media company makes, spends, and profits every 90 days. Listen to episode 125 on Cubicle the CEO, and you can get a detailed breakdown of the seven revenue streams that has generated $746,000 for her business in 2021. So if you want to borrow the best income growth strategies from top entrepreneurs and CEOs, including Ellen herself, tune in to pass income reports on Cubicle to CEO today. Plus, you can also receive free access to your first $10,000 month masterclass and a bonus workbook by going to our special link, zen.ai forward slash never settle CEO. All the information is dropped below in the description. Um, we did an interview with Misty Rice. She's a, the founder of 35,000 and her, she has an online platform and also a line of sustainable um, and clean, non-toxic uh, skincare. And she said mm. exactly the same thing. She said, I feel like all the guys were just rolling on with a little carry-on and here's me hot mess mm. with seven bags over here. And how do I put this all together? So it really echoes um, and for what you're sharing from a fashion sense as well that um, eight piece in one sounds very interesting I would love to see <laughs> how that operate and try it on and everything and the full <laughs> circle of how you know where maybe that's a good question is where did the name come from mm-hmm yeah I mean I you know, people have started to ask me that lately and nobody asked me that at the beginning. <laughs> and now it's like very, it's like the top question I get asked, which I love answering because it made me think like, how did I even get that name? Because like, I'm like, hey, you know, a lot of startups pick a name and they're like, okay, I'm going to be goddess, but I'm going to spell it with one S and a Z or something like that. Like there was just, there was a lot of intention behind that name, um, you know, primarily because our first product was essentially a circle scarf. So I really wanted to do something that had that idea of circularity. You know, I think I was a little ahead of the game at the time and sustainability for sure. It was not something talked about, but I knew that I wanted this idea of like, when I thought of like a karmic circle, um, you know, that, you know, everybody kind of wins in that circle. So I wanted to create a product and a brand where, you know, it's a high quality product for customers. They get a lot of value and wear out of it. Um, but the people who make the product and the planet are also considered in that process. Uh, so that's kind of where the circular nature came from. And then it was just really a brainstorm. Like I remember sitting down on my floor, writing on big pieces of paper, like name ideas and, then, <laughs> and circle just came up and I was like, oh, I got to search the trademark. And, you know, how somebody <laughs> used it. and it just felt so perfect. So so yeah, we stuck with it, which um, I feel like a really big blessing that I didn't have to create some weird word that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, and we mentioned this off conversation, but even when I received your media kit, everything, every touch, feel, all says clean, inviting, well thought out, and uh, a class, a level of class. And that's exactly, mm -hmm. and timeless, you know, a minimalistic timelessness too. Um, so I, I just want to recognize that part. And that ties into the top, the subject and topic of our, you know, high level greenwashing, because, mm -hmm. you know, I'll let you define it. But, you know, I've written about greenwashing in um, just eco- conscious in general, uh, greenwashing in wellness and wellness travel, because there's a lot of that too. What is greenwashing in fashion specifically? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So greenwashing essentially broadly in fashion or outside of fashion is when a company or brand um, really spend more money on claiming that they're actually eco-friendly than they're actually making changes within their business model um, or products to reduce their environmental impact. So it's basically like faking it kind of essentially. Um, So we've seen it across all areas. Like it's like it goes down to like when BP oil puts out a campaign about how they're trying to be sustainable. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's an oil company that's been, you know, creating infractions of, you know, oil spills all over the planet. Um, so it goes to that level extreme to somebody potentially using, you know, um, maybe a not so great fabric in creating a product, but saying it's sustainable because that's the perception of the customer. Um, so like an example would be, you know, there's a lot of controversy around a very like traditional old fabric, cotton. Um, but cotton is also a very rough crop on the planet. It ruins land. It's high pesticide use. Um, you know, it's, it's a very, what we would call like a dirty crop because of that, um, and uses an incredible amount of fresh water to produce. So if you're using conventional cotton in a product, some people would say, oh, that's sustainable. It's natural. But it's actually really degradative to the planet. So, you know, we would prefer to see somebody using, you know, regenerative cotton or um, organic cotton or something like that um, where they could make that claim. The thing is in fashion is that there's not a lot of regulation. So I think fashion is kind of probably where beauty was like maybe five years ago or more. Um, It's just, there's not a lot of regulation. There's not a lot of certifications. There's it's, you can pretty much say anything. So that makes it very dangerous because, you know, to an uneducated consumer, which most of us are, I was too, you know, things would look really great. You know, the conscious collection that somebody launched, oh, amazing, they've, they've made a conscious collection. You know, meanwhile, their whole business model is producing millions of new items a year that are built to fall apart and everybody's paid you know, non-living wages within their supply chain. Like that's definitely not sustainable. So I would say it runs the gamut from like the materials that people are using, but also um, from an ethics perspective, there's a lot of ethic washing as well. I love that you gave examples as well. You mentioned about with the oil company and then even with um, cotton and clothing, because it makes it tangible and something that we can grasp our heads around because you're absolutely correct. It's, It's a broad spectrum. How do we define you know, uh, what, what kind of, what could we do for a regulation without jumping too far ahead, but it's really hard to set a rule book, you know, and the same thing, like I said, with, with travel, and I'm sure you're aware, you know, there's a couple guidelines, but everybody can say that they're eco-conscious just by not mm-hmm. using plastic straws. So mm-hmm. what can we, you know, wh- how can we spot it if we're mm-hmm. looking for fashion that, is walking their talk or those who are just touting a marketing term? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say right now it does take a few extra steps for somebody who's shopping to really kind of dig into it a little bit more. There's definitely like certain certifications you can look for, like specifically with fabric, you can look for certifications like got certified for organic cotton. Um, Ercotex uh, 100 certified is another, um, protection that basically ensures that the fabrics are free of harmful chemicals and the people who made those fabrics are also being protected. Blue sign is another one. Um, But there's not a lot of like, or fair trade manufacturing, I guess would be one as well. 
But I, I would say there's not a lot of holistic from end to end certifications. The one we would refer to the most would be B Corp certified, which we are as well, um, which is a third party audited certification across your whole business. So it's not necessarily just your supply chain, but I would argue too that that's a little bit, um, you know, I think there there are sustainability elements to B Corps, but that doesn't mean they're like wholly sustainable. So I think you have to do your research a little bit and dig into what they're actually using to make the products and where they're being made. Um, the best way to do that is obviously starting at their website. Um, the other thing you can do is you can look on tools like DoneGood and GoodOnYou.com. Um, they have directories where they rate brands on their sustainability and ethics. Um, and then you can also ask the brand. So like the best thing I think consumers can do is push it back on the brand and ask. So like if somebody's coming out with a partially recycled polyester collection, ask like, why is it partially recycled? What, what percentage is partially recycled? What are, why didn't you use fully recycled materials? Like start to push back on these brands because they, you know, some of them will just try to get away with anything. And if they don't notice the consumers are paying attention to that, they will just keep pushing the envelope on it. So it's on us as like brands for sure to educate um, who are already in this sustainable space. But I think also consumers need to take a more active role in this as well. Couldn't agree more. The conscious consumerism as opposed to just pointing the fingers and waiting for somebody else to change it. I could not agree more. So the great suggestions, ask the brand, which of course, exactly as you said, it pushes it back and saying, hey, we're watching you. <laughs> what are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. And good on you. We'll drop some of those links below in the description. Where would we find, say you mentioned about B Corp, where would that be on the website? Is that on the hang tag? Where would we find something, some information like such? Yeah, B Corp has a directory. I can definitely give you the link um, so you can uh, put in the show notes because you can search by category, um, location. So like as an example, you know, Ben and Jerry's is a certified B Corp. So um, that's a really fun ice cream brand based out of the States. Yeah. Um, who does a lot of social justice work and stuff like that. So they would probably score very high in terms of that. So every brand kind of has a rating and it's broken down by four to five areas, um, governance, sustainability, uh, workers, community, and stuff like that. So um, they would probably, I would guess, score pretty high on that front. Um, Other brands like Patagonia is a certified B Corp, um, you know, who's been making big efforts into sustainability, I would say, for a mass brand. Um, so yeah, you can look them up on the directory and kind of do a search through there. You can also, sometimes it's on hang tags, um, or like garment labels. People have started doing that. Um, the more, I would say the more press that B Corp gets, the more known those certifications are, the more people are putting them out there and people are looking for them, which is great. Um, I want there to be more B Corps. You know, we're only one of, I think five female founded apparel B Corps in Canada. So that's wow. not very many. So wow. <laughs> I'd love there to be more because um, I think it elevates the whole industry and puts a lot of pressure on those brands that could honestly never be a B Corp because of their business models and their ethics. That's an abundant mindset. I really love that. So, you know, and aside from the obvious, why do we need to care? You know, why is it mm-hmm. bad that there's greenwashing? Mm-hmm. It almost Great sounds, question. it sounds, you hear the tone of my voice and like, I almost feel bad for asking it because it's very obvious, but it's almost, it's not obvious. Like, you know, most of the time people will go shopping, they'll say, what's the price and mm-hmm. does it look good? But what's beyond that? 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's creating, like, it's misleading consumers. People are thinking that they're voting with their wallet, making better choices, and then in fact, they're maybe not. So um, I think sometimes, you know, this has been prevalent throughout industries. Like, I used to work in consumer packaged goods, and they wouldn't necessarily greenwash, but they would make creative claims. You know what I mean? So um, (laughs) they would say, like, I think an example, they'd be like, more concentrated, And it would actually be, they just took the water out of the product or it would be like larger size and they put water back into the product. Like, you know, this has been happening in many product goods companies for a long time. And I think, again, it's just, it's, although it's perfectly legal, it's, it's misleading. And it feels like when you're somebody, especially I think sustainability is a little bit of a topic where people are afraid to um, talk about it. There's a lot of like, sustainability shaming I noticed um, where somebody would come out and they'd be like look like I'm you know shopping organic and da, 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 and they'll be like but you drive an SUV like there's this like mentality that like people have to be perfect um, and I think when you're you're already dealing with misleading information from brands who you trust um, you know you're setting yourself up for failure and we're not actually getting to the root of the problem either so you know, I think it's it's tough to put it back on people as consumers, but unfortunately, until the government, you know, regulators step up and start to do something, you know, we have to take active action. Yeah, we. I won't hold my breath for that one. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> well, I know. Won't hold my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what as as consumers, you know, aside from looking at tags, going on the websites. What can we do? You know, if I'm at home and I have I have a closet of clothes, you know, so I think for me the most conscious consumer thing I can do is not throw the clothes out mm-hmm. <laughs> and go and re you know restock everything. But what is something the average consumer right now can do to make that change or to spread the word or to you know make a difference moving forward? I think the most impactful thing you can do is wear your closet. So whether it's what you have in your closet today or what you plan to purchase in the future, just make sure you're buying items of clothing that you're actually going to wear. There's a huge amount of wastage in the fashion industry um, driven primarily by trends. Um, People feeling like they need those fluorescent orange pants or that, you know, floral crop top of the season. Um, and so then they had to, you know, those fast fashion brands who, yes, they'll make that product, but it's made in horrible working conditions out of really not great mm-hmm. fabrics, um, primarily synthetics, which will never biodegrade. And then it ends up in your closet and maybe you wear it once and then it ends up, where does it go? Like, do you donate it? Does it go in a landfill? Like, you know, ideally we want to be focusing our closets on items that we really love actually wear. Um, shopping our closet first and taking a more mindful approach to fashion consumption using some of the stuff we already talked about, like asking those questions and really slowing down that fashion cycle. I would say the other thing you can do is really embrace that idea. You don't have to be a minimalist, but there's a concept called capsule wardrobes, which might work better for a lot of people, which is really the idea of just having this like fewer but better closet. So a capsule wardrobe traditionally is like 33 items, but it doesn't have to be that strict. It could be more like 50 um, and just setting up a lifestyle wardrobe that like goes together. So oftentimes we have, you know, and I think this has been something that's happened over the last few years too, is people have, sh- you know, shifted their lifestyles. So their wardrobe no longer matches their lifestyle. Um, so the more you can kind of do to suit that, the more you're going to wear your closet. Um, and the last thing people I think can do is like 
repair, swap, trade, thrift, like all those great things. You know, I had one of my favorite pairs of jeans um, a couple weeks ago come out of the wash and the butt ripped completely. And I was, no, I was like so devastated because they're no longer in stock. They're from Citizens of Humanity from like seven years ago. So they're gone. Um, We all have those, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, they're the perfect wash and they're like so comfy. Um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to like, I posted online and somebody messaged me and they're like, there's a great tailor in Toronto. And I took them to him, 20 bucks. He fixed them. They look good as new. Um, so you can do a lot of that, like repair reuse. Whereas like sometimes people are taught, well, it's done. You know, that's something that, you know, probably our mothers and grandmothers used to do a lot was repair their clothing. Um, but now we just have this throwaway culture. So I think the more we can kind of teach ourselves and embrace that kind of mindfulness and intention in our shopping and wardrobe, the better. Really spot on and and applicable tips. Thank you so much, Christy. We're going to, there's, I feel like there's um, so much information that you've provided us. I want to be able to drop some of those um, in the show notes, like you said, below, and we'll add the links both to your site, of course, for Encircled. And then some of the other resources such as B Corps, Good On You, um, and the tips that you mentioned about, you know, for being a more conscious consumer, the best things you can do, wear your closet, swap or upcycle, and the capsule wardrobe I think is a great one, especially for travel. Because I was just talking Mm -hmm. today about I do not like to check a bag and I like to Mm -hmm. do carry-on only. And that's one of the ways that I'm sure you're very well adept in too for minimalizing how much packing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like traveling light actually inspired me to get a capsule wardrobe because once you travel for like 10, 15 days with like a very small bag, boy, do you question what you have in your closet, you know? Because the reality is that we're not wearing most of our closet. We're only wearing about 20% of our closet. And people can challenge me on this if they want to go through their closet over the next month or so and you know, just put a post-it or turn the hanger around on something that they're actually wearing. And if it's more than 80% of the closet, I'll be very impressed and I'll give them a virtual high five on Instagram because most (laughs) people are not, you know? So I think when you start thinking about that, you think about like all the resources that have gone into the clothes that are made, no matter if they're sustainable or not, like it's a waste of resources for, for you, for us, monetarily, for the planet. So I think the more you can kind of create that kind of ideal capsule wardrobe for yourself then at least you have like a guideline to follow um, when you are shopping and making purchases so true when I come back from trips like that I have like in my closet and I usually clean things out Christy I really appreciate this conversation all of these tips I'm thinking of um, many different things I can do with clothing I really want to check out the eight in one piece that you mentioned as well (laughs) and I look forward hopefully I'll meet you up in Toronto at some point too yeah would love that would love that come say hi for sure all right we're gonna have the link below that everybody can view i'm sure you have a ton of resources as well on your website christy sumer thank you so much for your insight encircled and the story behind the brand that wraps up another episode on never settle don't forget to subscribe to this podcast where we have thought-provoking conversations with founders, creators, and entrepreneurs that they are looking to positively impact and change the world because we don't settle.